Hello and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today's Wednesday, November the 10th. This is episode number 124. I am your host, Rod Bloom. Joining me today is my brother, Jeff. Hey, Jeff, how are things going? A little better than last week? <laughs> Not quite as fired <laughs> up this week. Yeah, yeah, I think I'm going to have a little bit more fun tonight. I feel like we have emerged from the bowels of hell and are just feeling a little bit better about the season and about all things Brown. So uh, joining us tonight is is our guest, uh, Shelly Harkar. Shelly, how are things going? Things are going pretty good, Rod. Excellent. Uh, Shelly is a writer for The Grueling Truth. You can follow her at Shelly, S-H-E-L-L-E-Y. 0514 on Twitter. So um, we have a lot of things to talk about. You know, um, when we last recorded, the Browns, uh, you know, uh, played that game with Pittsburgh, um, and we weren't feeling real good about that game and officiating and everything else. Officiating mostly me, but um, (laughs) then the... uh, (laughs) And then all this stuff came out about OBJ and the locker room and and, uh, and and all this. And it seemed like things were getting worse because we really didn't know the extent of everything that was happening. And then the and then the Browns made this move that, you know, we found out that they were going to let OBJ go. And, and we figured we would find out uh, via the Bengals game, you know, um, where the problem was and and not that uh you know not that not that um really expecting that that one person leaving could fix everything and you know i don't i still don't know if it has or not but man i just feel like this organization has done since since that loss to pittsburgh has done a complete 180 and and not only in the play, but just in the feeling and the optimism for for where things are going. Because you really felt like if they went down to Cincinnati and took a loss, I think a lot of people would have been ready to to just give up on this season. And now things are, are totally different. So so let's start out with the with the OBJ stuff. And let you guys get anything off your chest that you want to talk about with the OBJ. Um, Jeff, I know you had a topic you wanted to to throw out on that. So so I'm going to let you kick things off with the OBJ talk. All right. Well, first of all, I'd be happy if we, you know, instead of doing 180s, if we did like, you know, 10 or 20 degree shifts from week to week. Um, it seems like, you know, like, like, we did a 180 before the Cardinals game, and then we did a 180 before the Denver game, and and then we did another 180 for the Pittsburgh game. And uh, I mean, every yeah. week it's like a roller coaster ride, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, I, it, you got to feel really good about the game against the Bengals. Um, you know, the Bengals looked like an organization that was trending in the right direction. I mean, they kind of stubbed their toe a little bit against the Jets. But, you know, they looked like a quality team coming into this game. And, and you know, finally it seemed like the Browns had a good game plan and, and executed pretty well on both sides of the ball. And, and you know what, OBJ being there or not being there, I, I don't know how much 
influence that had on the ability to, to play the Bengals well this week? You know, that, that, that's my concern right now is, you know, that we're, we're sort of, um, we're sort of attributing one week's worth of success to addition by subtraction, right? That, that we got rid of the problem. We, we cut out the tumor, you know, and, and now we're suddenly cured of cancer. And, and, and this word keeps popping up that, um, you know, it sort of is trying to, to explain and, and write off the, the whole problem with the Browns offense, this, this idea of freelancing, you know, like, like no player in the NFL does any freelancing other than Odell Beckham. You know, um, I, I just I think it's a little bit too convenient an excuse um, to, to say that, you know, s- six guys couldn't catch the ball against the Steelers because Odell's not running the right routes. Um, you know, you guys can disagree with me on that. But as far as playing the game and, and executing on offense, um, I'm not convinced that that was the problem. Uh, now there certainly is a locker room component to that, and it's yet to be determined, um, you know, how sustainable um, this turnaround in, in locker room environment is with Odell moving on. So we'll we'll see if if you know we do another 180 this week, then you know we'll have to talk about maybe there are some other issues. So, Shelly, how much how much of this do you attribute to, you know, just the uh, the Browns play on Sunday? How much do you attribute to Odell not being there, um, you know, not playing um, or, or do you think or do you think it's something else? Um, you know, you could, I'm wondering if it's just maybe the team rallying around, um, you know, around the uh the dysfunction and, and you know, and, and, and things like that, the team kind of rallying behind the coach or behind Baker. Yeah, I think there's a lot of rallying to be said for what happened. I, I agree with Jeff. You know, Odell isn't, you know, the sum total of every problem that that team encounters, but the locker room culture, sure. I mean, I never disliked the guy, but, Clearly, he didn't fit where we were, and and that's fine. But I think this week will be a bigger test. Like you said, are we going to see another 180? God help us. No, I'm pretty dizzy already. <laughs> um, <laughs> honestly, this is why I don't go to Cedar Point anymore. Um, but, yeah, I think, I mean, some of it, sure. It's all those intangibles that we can't even begin to grasp um i read an interview with miles garrett who was one of the uh, first guys to reach out to odell after everything went down and he even said you know there's stuff that's never going to be said there's stuff that doesn't need to be talked about you know wish him well and uh-huh. so yeah i think some of it you know you're in a bad situation and and you, f- you find your fall guy and he's gone now you all can go oh good okay sigh of relief and I mean, I, I loved how we played. That was the best I've seen us play in a quite a uh, long time. But yeah, I don't think it's all on Odell being there, being not there. But you know, I mean, honestly, if we cut him every week and we get those results, I'm fine with that. 
Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I think I think more of it was just the team coming together and saying, "Okay, look, we've been through all this crap this week. Let's let's put our heads together and play like we mean it." Yeah, and you know, Kevin Stefanski said uh, said that the team was pretty much playing for their lives in that game. You know, beforehand mm-hmm. that they that they needed a win in that game. So maybe it's as simple as the team knowing that they needed to win that game. So maybe mm-hmm. it really had nothing to do with Odell. Maybe it would have been the same outcome if he was, you know, there and, you know, and played his few snaps and Baker didn't throw the ball to him or whatever happened, you know, and maybe it didn't make any difference. Maybe, maybe they were just at a point in the season where they were, you know, due for, due for a big game based on what right. had happened against Pittsburgh. So, you know, it, it is hard. It is definitely hard to say. Uh, I mean, Jeff, I'm going to agree with you on the freelancing. Um, I mean, guy, guys do it, um, and you can't blame Odell for other guys dropping the ball. You can't blame Odell for all the penalties. But if there's been some, if this helps to clear up some locker room dysfunction, then you know it's, it's definitely a positive for the Browns. And if they can keep playing like they did Sunday, that that's definitely what we want to see. So. Um, Let's my go. concern with go my concern with that real quick, Rod, is is you know if if what contributed to this win was them finding a sense of urgency, what do we have to do week in and week out? And I mean, mm. Shelley obviously joked about let's cut somebody else, but you know is that what it t- is going to take for them to have a sense of urgency week in and week out? Well, I mean. I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, Stefanski preaching the uh, let's go one and oh this week, you know, seemed to work last season. Maybe, you know, mm-hmm. maybe you got to change the message, you know. Right. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, um, you certainly can't bring a new coach in every every other season and expect to find success. So, well, so you got to you got to find we've a way. Well, I think we've tried it. Yeah. yeah we have. Seem yeah. To work That's been well. done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> done yeah. To Bring in some guy fresh out of a, you know, off a high school team or something. See what he can do. Um, yeah. <laughs> so let's let's go a little more in depth on the Bengals game. Um, man, forty-one uh, sixteen. Um, and by the way, you know, um, going back to our predictions. Uh, yeah, I I picked against the Browns the first time ever, and and I was wrong, and I'm glad. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, hey, maybe that's the motivator. You know, if 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 you had just picked against the Browns a few more times, maybe they'd have won there a few more go. games. Okay, well, I'm I'm just probably I'm probably going to pick the Pats this week. Then I might just start <laughs> picking against them every week. I, I just I just don't see it. I just don't see a win this week. <laughs> if they win, I'm I'm happy. Oh <laughs> right. yeah. But uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, it it was really. A complete game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that they, they still had some penalties, and I I don't uh, I don't have the total penalties in front of me. They you know they still had some procedural problems and stuff in the game, but um, overall, man, they they just uh, you know they threw the ball well. Baker played Baker played well. Nick Chubb was Nick Chubb, mm-hmm. um, but I mean the the defense to me, I mean the offense obviously scored a lot of points, but which which we haven't seen in quite a while. Mm-hmm. But 
But the defense, to hold the Bengals to 16 with the kind of uh, scoring they've been doing and, you know, it's some of the issues we've seen on, on uh, you know, from the defense over the course of the season, you know, here and there against against teams that have been able to score. Um, I thought the defense played really well, really well. I think so, this was yeah. absolutely a win on, on behalf of our defense. Um, and, and by the yeah. way, the Browns had 10 penalties. For the Bengals, four. Um, the the difference in this game, though, to really boil it down, was the three turnovers for the Bengals. You know, the the, the Ward oh, interception, yeah. the pick six by Denzel Ward on on the Bengals' first drive, was a fourteen point swing before the game really even started. And yeah, um, and it just set it set a tone too. Right, it did. Yeah, and and I think the defense you know, rose to the occasion the rest of the game, creating turnovers and and mm-hmm. really good field position for the offense, which yeah. is r- the formula that our offense needed badly. You know, our, our offense needed good field position, the ability to score quick, um, and that's what you saw happen. You know, there, we had we had one sustained drive in that game, I think. It was our, our, our first scoring drive, I think. Um, it was like, you know, seven or eight plays, 75 yards. Um, but beyond that, I mean, we were, we were, you know, pretty much quick hits, the, the DPJ touchdown, yeah. um, you know, the, the, the Chubb run in the third quarter. Um, those were all just really huge plays that were quick scoring um, that put points on the board in a hurry as, as a result of really good field position, I think. And then there was even a couple instances where we had great field position. We just ended up with a field goal, you know, right. but um, the, the, the difference in the game was, you know, that, that the Bengals turned the ball over to us. Yeah. but Help me out here. The Browns, you know, they, they put up a, 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 a little graphic saying that, you know, this is the first time a team had scored, on play, you know, on a defensive play, a, a, a run yeah. and a pass over 60 yards um, since right. 19, what, 60-something, I think. 1967. Yeah. 67, yeah. And the thing that gets me is is the Browns did that, and if you go back their last several games, now, now you can help me out here, <clears throat> Jeff, but it seems to me that the Browns haven't scored from more than five or 10 yards out in weeks with this offense. <laughs> that's true. At least that's, that's how true. it feels. And right. for them to put up three long touchdowns like that was such a juxtaposition against what they've been doing. It's just like, it's right. just, it's just like changed, you know, changed the way you look at this team of, of what they're able to do now. Right. Well, I think that's a microcosm of the whole team. I mean, it, instance you know when when um in the third quarter when uh just before chubb had that 70 yard run for a touchdown um you know i think that was our i don't know that was that was the second play of the drive but um yeah i think so i i had made a comment earlier in the game i think that you know nick chubb his 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 uh track record recently has been um you know 20 yards or nothing you know, and it's and it's averaging out to, to eight or ten yards a carry. Okay, but it seems like teams are really just 
stuffing him at the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, they, again, the, the offense got away, the play calling got away from running the ball. And, you know, I think right before that run, I said, you know, why don't we, you know, try running the ball again. And next play Chubb goes off left tackle for 70 yards, you know? So, um, it's, it's like, it's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde with the offense, you know, that, that you really can't count on what's going to happen on a given drive. You know, if we, if we had to put the ball in our offense's hands at, you know, the 20 yard line and say, we need a field goal to win the game. I still have a really low, um, uh, level of confidence that they could accomplish that even after scoring 41 points this week, you know, just, just the way that they scored all those points, you know? Yeah. I, Nick Chubb's averaging six yards a carry this season, which I mean, it, it leads the league as far as running backs and, and he's not too far uh, behind guys like Lamar Jackson. <laughs> Lamar is under seven yards to carry, and and Nick Chubb at six. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's kind of crazy, especially when you look at and, and see the number of times it seems like that he gets stuffed at the line. It, it puts things into perspective because you know how many 20-yard carries he has to make up for that. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, it's, yeah, it's just a, it's a function of how teams are, are defending us. You know, they're, they're, they're selling out to the run still and, and making us throw the ball. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, Baker, Baker only threw the ball 21 times. Um, but you know, it was enough and very efficient though, you know, two touchdown passes and and no picks. Um, Browns took care of the ball pretty well. Um, of course, when, when you went by that many points, um, you're, you're doing a lot of things right. So, so um, if you look at the game stats, you would think that the Browns lost this game. The time of possession was, was hugely skewed to the Bengals. The first downs were hugely skewed to the Bengals. I mean, every, every stat said that, that the Bengals won this game. You know, it's just because we scored on so many short drives, you know, quick, quick scores. Yeah. And the Bengals moved the ball a lot. They did. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, there's only one thing that counts, and that's that's yep. the score. <laughs> Final score. That's true. And it, and it wasn't even close. The Bengals were never really in the game. No. Yeah, no, I don't. I I think the the initial pick six probably took the wind out of their sails. Yeah, I think so. But yeah. but, but then that that long pass to to DPJ for a touchdown, oh. I think, was the nail in the coffin. Did um. Did, did that surprise either of you guys that that Baker's um, that Baker's able to throw an a uh, a long ball that accurately right now? Honestly, every time Baker drops back to pass, I hold my breath and say a little prayer. <laughs> yeah. and I, I have nothing against Baker. I like the kid. I it just seems like uh, the Doctor Jekyll Mister Hyde thing, and I don't know. You know, for years I've blamed our quarterback problems on our offensive line, but we got a great line. The O line is awesome. And yeah, then you look at, well, Odell's running his freelance routes. Well, that's not a factor. And um, I mean, I, I watched him throw it and I'm like, oh God, please let him catch that. And uh, that, you know, it worked great. But 
I think, it was yeah, a I think perfectly was, thrown ball. It was. Yeah. And, you know, I know he has that in him. I don't know for the life of me how to bring that out all the time. I mean, I don't even know if a, if a coach or a player can execute perfectly that often, but that was beautiful. And now like, We've got results. Now make them repeatable results and, and we'll go places with them. You know, the 18-yard yeah, yeah. throw to uh, David Njoku mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter, the, the, touch, the last touchdown, yeah. um, mm-hmm. was another example of um, a really great throw by Baker um, of, of more than, you know, five or six yards. Um, right. And, and that 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 length is where he tends to have problems. You know, anything from from 10 to 30 yards, he seems to struggle with, you know, with yeah. with the deep ball. He's, he's pretty good with the deep ball. Always has been. Um, and you see the coaching staff, you know, steering him toward the shorter stuff. It's, it's the intermediate things that I think have always kind of given him trouble. And. You know, that 18-yard ball, um, I, would, I would put it in that category, and I thought he threw it really well. So that one surprises me more than the deep ball to DPJ. Yeah, I, just, I don't think we've seen a lot of accurate deep balls since the shoulder injury. Mm-hmm. That's kind of that's kind of what I was pointing out. So, um, so it, it was good to see. It shows that he can do oh, it. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, and and I'm glad that uh, DPJ is involved, and I know he's the the number two guy now. I just I wonder, um, and I, I'm sure they're bringing Schwartz along slowly, but I would think that we would see him, you know, on on some of those patterns at at some point too, where where Baker's kind of going deep to him. But I'm sure he has more more of a comfort level with DPJ at this point, so. You know who, anyway. who led who led the Browns in in uh, volume of receptions in that game? Hmm. Jarvis with three. Oh yeah, for eleven yeah. yards. For 11, nobody else had more than two. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, he yeah he really spread it. Well, I mean, he only completed it's just not a passes. It's, but it's yeah. not a volume passing offense. You know? No, it's and not. Especially when you score that quickly. So, right. um, no, they, they scored 41 points and he threw and he completed 14 passes. I mean, that's right. And, and right. Nick Chubb only carried the ball 14 times. Exactly. I mean, so you this can't... game was a real outlier to, to determine anything about our offense, I think. Yeah, you can't yeah. look at the numbers and say, oh, well, this is how, how they scored those points. So you look at it and say, what? Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of kind of crazy. But uh, let's see. Um, I got to do a weekly Miles update. Miles gets a sack and a half, and I know Shelly is a huge Miles fan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Miles, Miles is up to twelve sacks on the season. Um, you know the 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 team record is fourteen. The uh, the NFL record, and yeah, this is interesting. I was looking, and you know the NFL record is is uh, held by Michael Strahan at twenty two and a half, but that record is kind of uh, kind of in question, a little, a little tainted because, uh, you know, Strahan, I think, broke uh, Mark Gastineau's record by, I don't know, a half or a sack when uh, when Brett Favre possibly took a dive and gave him a sack. Mm. It's like the last game of the season. 
So Gastineau, you know, wants wants the record. But uh, Pro Football Reference just uh, went back this past summer and, and uh, reviewed tape of uh, Bubba Baker's rookie season in 1978, and they say that he had 23 sacks that season. Mm-hmm. So they're saying that's the unofficial record. Um, you know, anyways, uh, so so Miles, um, you know. Uh, if Miles has another Miles day, he could he could uh, tie or break that record, uh, you know, in New England or or uh, you know if it's not against the Pats, uh, it could definitely be against the Lions. Um, yeah. But he's he's definitely on track to to be right up there near these NFL records, um, given his current pace. So uh, so the that's real sack machine in that Bengals game was Troy Hill. Yes. Yeah, oh you, my yeah. God. <laughs> that was fantastic. You know, I, I don't want to hear any more crap about Joe Woods not putting pressure on on quarterbacks. Um, yeah. When he has personnel and and guys healthy, right? They get pressure on the quarterback and they get sacks in bunches. I, I think people need to realize that this is the NFL. That you're not going to hold every team to ten points. Uh, you know, every time, every time the Browns give up a play, there's a tweet about something about we need to fire Joe Woods. Yeah. Like, oh, you guys. I mean, geez, we just held the Bengals to sixteen points, and they've been putting up thirty a game. Yeah. Right. You know, um, let the guy get used to the guys he has. You know, especially when he when he has most of them healthy, like he did out there Sunday. Yeah. Um, man, it, it was a pretty good defensive uh, effort, <laughs> to say the least. I, you know. For sure. And it, it's not the first one this season either. They've had uh, they've had at least um, I mean they've had at least what four really good defensive games. I don't you know I don't have the schedule right in front of me, but I mean obviously the. You know, the game against uh, Denver was good, and, and the game against the Bears and um, the Vikings come to mind, where the defense played very well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you're going to give up points sometimes. It's just how it is. You know, even the best defenses give up 30, 40 points every now and then. It just happens. I mean, the, the Ravens' defense gave up 40 to the Bengals. You know, are, are they getting rid of their defensive coordinator? <laughs> it's a Seriously. pass-friendly league. No, it's a pass-friendly league. You're right. Yeah, yeah, it and, happens and, and sometimes. That, yeah, that just underscores how important it is to put pressure on the quarterback in, in a variety of ways and how important it is to have healthy defensive backs. Right. Um, let, let's just put it out there. Denzel Ward probably had the best game of his career against the Bengals. Um, and when Denzel plays like that, the Browns' defense is just a different defense. He he can elevate everybody else on that defense to another level when he plays that way. And I don't know. I, I think we we saw on Sunday that that he was the engine that that drove that defensive effort. You say what you want about you know he's, he gets hurt, blah blah blah. Okay, but when he's out there. He is a huge difference maker. He is. And I think you're right as far as elevating guys, because, I mean, just look in 
I'm not saying Greg Newsom's not not uh, played well or anything, anyways. But you know, he he played a very very nice game. Um, yeah. So you know, I, I think these guys will feed off each other. But I think you're right with Denzel. Yeah, he's a spark for that defense. That's a good term, Shelley. He's a spark. He 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 gets everybody else jazzed up to go out and, and play at another level. I mean, you saw that play, and you just felt the air go out of the stadium, and you felt the, right. the desperation on the part of the Bengals. It was a, it, it was a literal game changer. Yeah, I was, uh, I was trying to look. I mean, because he was on Jamar Chase, who has been, you know, the whole game. Oh yeah. And, um, I was trying to find the stat real quick to see what Jamar Chase's numbers were for the game, he got, but um, he he pretty much got shut down. I think mm-hmm. he had two or two or three catches, um, not you know not for much, and he's he been had six catches for forty nine yards, but six for forty nine. Okay. He was a non factor. No, he wasn't a factor. I mean, and this he dropped, is a guy he dropped the ball several times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean he's he's been tearing it up. I mean he's you know touchdowns and yards. I mean he came into the game with almost eight hundred yards receiving and and uh, I don't know you know seven to ten touchdown catches. So I think um, his, I think our our guys were in his head from from that mm-hmm. very first series. I think and so. He was yeah. He wasn't the same player. No, he wasn't. He wasn't. So. Uh, just a great game by the Browns. So, so we come off that game, and um, yeah, the, you know the Browns uh, or uh, Andrew Barry. Uh, the word gets out that uh, the Browns have extended Wyatt Teller, and uh, four years, fifty-six million, twenty-eight million guaranteed. Uh, and and I put out a tweet that uh, some people. Read as thinking I didn't like the signing because I said it kind of surprised me a little bit. Um, I just didn't think Wyatt Teller would be the first guy they would sign because mm-hmm. um, I thought it meant that you know maybe somebody else wouldn't get signed. Um, but anyways, uh, you know after Wyatt Teller they they signed uh, Joel Batonio and you know what I, I'm thrilled that they signed two guys on the offensive line. So so. Yeah. Um, so Shelly, I'm going to let you go first on this. What were your thoughts, uh, you know, when you when you first heard about the Wyatt Teller signing, and then when you heard about the uh, uh, Joel Batonio's extension today? I was a little surprised, but then when you stop and think of like how well those two are rated, I it was kind of a moment of rejoicing, like oh thank God we're still getting it right with these decisions i think i've just been a fan for so long that i always kind of live looking over my shoulder okay that was great now what's going to happen um but yeah i think again you i don't care who your quarterback is he can't play if he's laying on his back so that has always been what i thought the team needed like get the o-line get the o-line sure fill everybody else in around it but you can't you just can't do anything without a strong line and to see those two signed i i was just yeah i like the 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 big lineman guys they're 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 fun and 
they look so happy when they get it right. <laughs> I don't know. Well, a little bit of the mom in me, like, good boys. But, yeah, I was a little surprised, but just damn happy. Like, good, good. You got these guys. Now, now nail down some more that we can't live without. I, I got to go back to the Bengals game for a minute. One of the coolest parts in the game was was after Nick Chubb's 70-yard touchdown run when they showed uh, Wyatt Teller and the other yes. offensive linemen all talking and just smiling and just having <laughs> yeah. a blast because they created that those openings for him. Oh, and yeah. Just how thrilled those guys were to, to do that. Um, that was yeah. just really, so. Um, so, uh, so Jeff, I'll let you weigh in on, on real, I guess, on both of those signings and your feelings. Well, you know, People who have listened to this podcast over the last couple of years um, will remember all the conversations that you and I have had about potentially re-signing Wyatt Teller. Um, he yeah, it's to come me, up a lot. Was, yeah. yeah, I mean, he to me was sort of the wild card in how this roster is going to be structured over the next four or five years. Um, you know, if, if you go out and, and pay top dollar for a guard, um, it's it, – it, Yes, it's great that you know, we're, we're keeping our homegrown talent and we're, you know, I love investing money in, in the line, um, but it does have sort of a ripple effect in terms of where you can spend money elsewhere. This, this still is a salary cap league. So if you're going to pay, you know, Wyatt Teller, like he's, you know, number three in the league, and then you, you end up having to sign Joel Batonio to a contract where he's number now number one in the league in terms of guards um tony is the, the top paid guard now and, and treader's the number three paid guard now um i mean that that's just not sustainable throughout your entire organization okay and, and i'm glad to see it like i said but it just makes me think that that we're going to have to sacrifice somewhere else now the timing is the other thing that i find interesting about this um you know doing this now, um, in the middle of the season, right after um, all this, you know, conversation around, you know, letting go of our number one receiver and so forth, um, it feels a little bit gratuitous to me that that they're doing it right now um, to sort of, you know, create a new diversionary conversation. Um, but that, hey, that's that's good marketing. Um, for you know, for an NFL team, um, I would would have not. I, I would have been less surprised if they had done this in the off season. Um, but right now, it seems a little bit. You know, the timing is a little bit strange to me um, because I, I think most players don't even want to have contract conversations during the season. Um, like Joe, Joe Batonio mentioned something about that, you know, that if it wasn't done by the end of training camp. He didn't want to know anything about it. So he didn't, didn't even hear about this until he was walking off the practice field or something. Um, so, you know, again, it's been a long time since we've, we've extended players here. We're mm -hmm. typically watching them walk away. Mm -hmm. So, so that's a great yeah. thing. Um, I just, it, it makes me wonder what, impact this is going to have on the roster you know over the next couple of seasons 
Yeah, I'll, I have to give you my, my take on this, is that uh, I think the timing is, is pretty intentional, and I think a good part of it is the the way the salary cap is is going to go up over the next several years. And, you know, right now, um, or let, let's just look at the 22 salary cap is uh, is going to be 208 million and in 23 it goes up to 225 million 24 it goes up to 256 million the, these are projections i don't know if these numbers are locked in i, I guys i'm not going to sit here and pretend I'm, I'm an expert on the salary cap because I've looked at this before and studied it before, but it hasn't been recently. So, so I am not an expert on this. So guys, with, with what's happening with the salary cap, with it going up like that, I really do believe that the, the timing of this was, was pretty intentional because I think the longer, the longer they wait, you know, I, I think, um, you know, I'm kind of seeing that the, the value looks better down the road. But I also kind of feel like the price could maybe go up too. So, uh, and, and I think the the guaranteed money for Teller, especially um, the twenty eight million, you know, obviously to us that's a lot of money. But <laughs> when you're talking about, you know, one one of the top guards in the league, um, you know, it's it's not a it's not a major major commitment. That's kind of how I look at it. And we and we really don't know about the guaranteed money to Batonio. Um, I, I still don't think that month, that uh, number's out yet. So, um, you know, I, I just kind of look at where things are going with the salary cap, and I think the Browns must have a good handle on feeling like these are these are going to be good deals for them. And, and you have to like the guys that they're locking up to, oh, you know. Oh, sure. Um, definitely. So, um, you know, I mean – it looks like they're. It looks like they just let some money out the door, and they're spending money, kind of like what you said, Jeff. <laughs> that that maybe these are, um, um, you know, maybe like uh, what do you want to say? Public public affairs moves, you know. A little um, bit diversionary, maybe. Yeah, and that could be, but you know that the. the the timing could be could be right also. Um, you know, we'll see. I mean, you really don't know until you get um until you you get down the road and you see what other guys are re-signing for, you know, and then you find out how good a deal these are. Yeah. No, I'm so, I'm not at all against us, you know, keeping our all pro level players. That's that's a great thing. I mean, no. I like what they did with Miles. Um, oh, yeah. I like what they did with Chubb. Um, you know, these, these are two key components of the offensive line and, and that's great. Um, you know, it's just like it, it said, we, we've talked about this a lot in the past, um, you know, in the off season about, you know, where the money goes with all these different guys and, and who is most easily replaced. And, you know, when you've got a great offensive line coach like Bill Callahan, um, you know, can you plug in other pieces without a huge drop off? Um, you know, hopefully we, we, with all these guys on board, we're still developing depth for down the road. Um, but you know, we, as we've seen guys get hurt, guys miss games, you know, so you need to have, you need to have, you know, those guys coming up at the same time. So, um, I, I think they're, 
they're great signings. I, I just I just wonder, you know, what that means we're not going to be able to do. Yeah, and, and that's a good point. But I mean, you got to feel like they're still going to fill in somewhere. You know, I, I don't know if the there's there's a good chance that the that the center of the future is on the roster somewhere. You know, right now, but but maybe not. You know, maybe they maybe maybe they still uh, draft somebody to play center. Um, you know, maybe maybe one of their top picks in in uh, you know the upcoming draft will be will be the guy who's going to be the right tackle of the future. You know, so um, right. you know they're they're still going to bring guys in for Bill Callahan to work with, and and if he's able to develop guys to to take those spots who are already on the roster, then then all that much better. But he's right. you know he's definitely helping with. Um, the guys who are able to step in and play like like Blake Hans and, and those guys. Right. Who I know you're you're a fan of, Jeff. So um <laughs> I love I, Blake Hans. I, I mean I still like James Hudson. I, I think he's he is the uh developmental swing tackle who could replace Jack Conklin in two or three years. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, you know it's great to have young guys like that in the pipeline. I mean, Blake Hans is, I mean, obviously he's, he's not, um, I don't think people see him as a tackle. So, you know, but he's playing, he's playing tackle and I think he's, he's held his own out there for a position he's probably really not supposed to be playing. So, um, you know, with with the loss of Chris Hubbard, um, the Browns really needed somebody to step up and you got to give Blake credit for doing that. Yeah, yeah, definitely, sure. definitely. So, um, so the Browns have some guys on the on the COVID list, and I still don't know if we're real close to a resolution on this. I guess we're waiting on tests, but um, most of the running back room, I think, is still on the list. Yeah. <laughs> so it's going to be the 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 Ernest Johnson show. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if you know, unless uh, Bill Belichick decides that he's going to you know, uh, you know, put eight guys in the box the whole time and, and uh, try to get Baker to throw, which which I, I think is probably going to happen, right? He's probably not going to let the Browns run the ball, I would think. Um, you know, even with even with one running back, I'm not going to say even with Dearness Johnson because we know what he can do. Um, right. But even, even when you're down to one running back, uh, I think there's a good chance he's still – tries to stop the run and make Baker throw. So, so that's, that's going to be interesting. Uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully somebody else will, you know, get off that list and be available. But if not, I think the Browns are going to be okay. Cause uh, I think you got to feel like the Browns are going to have to throw the ball to win this game anyways. Right guys. Pretty much. Yep. So uh, so let's look at this game a little bit. Um, the Browns against the the Pats. Um, both teams were five and four, and the Browns. Uh, you know, I think people would have expected them to have a little better record. Um, the Pats. Uh, you know, um, starting a, a rookie quarterback. Um, five and four is pretty good, but uh, you know, um, yeah. When when you got the old. Ball coach there, I guess they, you know, they always find a way. So, um, uh, you know, um, 
what what can you say? They're they're five and four, same record as the Browns. Um, they seem to be, you know, just uh, um, very similar stats and everything. Um, I, I don't know really what to make of this game because um, the Browns just seem to have a lot more talent. But I think that's that's typical of the Patriots team. You don't look up and down the roster and say, "Oh man, this guy's really good." It's more about it's more about you know the the play that Belichick gets out of the guys, you know, generally than than specific players a lot of the time. So um, I'm going to kick it over. I guess uh, I'll, I'll let you start, Shelley. What what do you see in this game against the Patriots? One thing I'm really concerned about is the fact that. The past two games, the Pats have uh, had a pair of pick sixes, and I think if they're going to force Baker to throw, I'm really concerned about you know them trying to go for three in a row with the. I guess that's some sort of a league record. I have no idea, but uh, also their top guys are all like their top defenders. They're all in the top fifteen um, in the league right now. All six of them. And I find that their defense just concerns me, I guess. You know, Mac's a a good rookie quarterback, and they're going to do what they're going to do, and hopefully our guys are going to be able to make some moves, you know, if they don't hold Miles, which is, you know, ridiculous to say. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I can wish for anything I want, but, yeah, that that young man's getting held like a prom date. Um, but yeah, their defense, I that concerns me. Not because they have any specific standouts, but it seems like they really have put it together to function well as a unit. And uh, yeah, no, if if you get Baker standing there long enough, then then we're starting to talk about holding penalties, and we're starting to talk about sacks. And good God, and if he rushes the throws, then we're talking about the interceptions or the pick sixes or whatever. So that's where I am. I don't like their defense. It scares me. Yeah, I, I don't think their defense has been completely consistent throughout the season. So I, I think that's one positive for the Browns. Uh, the, the Pats, I mean, the defense is, for the Patriots has been has been good, but it's not been you know, it's not been locked down game in and game out. I think right. they've had, I think, think they've had good games and not so good games. So, um, so that's that's one positive. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, so Jeff, what are your thoughts on this game? Well, you know, the the Pats are starting a rookie quarterback, and you know he's probably overachieving like they are as a team. Um, and we're underachieving a little bit um, as an organization right now. Um, But this is a game that that we're supposed to win. Um, You know, coming into this season, we thought that um, the fact that, you know, the the Patriots have spread or anything. Right. And when you you look at the stats, I mean, these are two fairly evenly matched teams from a, you know, points and points surrendered standpoint. Mm-hmm. Points scored and points surrendered, uh, yards per game, all that stuff is fairly close. Um, you know, they've turned the ball over more than we have. Um, we've committed more penalties than they have. Um, but really, I think Shelley's 
accurate in saying it comes down to the defenses. You know, the the, the Patriots' defense uh, versus our offense, which struggles at times when you know when they shut down our run game, um, mm-hmm. and then our defense against their rookie quarterback. So. Um, you know, if our defense plays like it did against Cincinnati, um, you would think we've got a, a pretty good shot in this game. Yeah, and I would agree. Yeah. And it's yeah, it, it's um, it's no offense to Mac Jones, but you know the Browns just did a heck of a job against Joe Burrow, and I mean he threw for his, you know, he he got his yards, okay, but the Browns the Browns essentially stopped them when they needed right. to. You know, and right. Mac Jones isn't anywhere close to Joe Burrow and his and his ability or his numbers. You know, he's he's got uh, ten touchdown passes, seven picks. You know, mm. um, completing sixty eight percent of his passes. Um, you know, it's they're respectable numbers for a, for a rookie. You know, um, you know he's not hurting the the team. You know, too too awfully bad or, or you know or anything like that. But um, he, he's not really the guy who's going out and winning games for them. Right. So, so you hope right. the Browns defense can, uh, you know, can hopefully victimize him uh, in some way, you know, that, that right. would be my hope. Yeah. I mean, s- stepping up the, the pressure against for a sure. young quarterback is always a good idea um, and forcing him into some, some errors and turnovers. Um, you know, Joe Woods has come out and said that, you know, he wants to do more of that. Um, hopefully he's got healthy personnel now um, right. yeah. and, you know, can make that happen. Well, I mean, this, the, the Pats have only given up 17 sacks. That's, you know, that, that's not a lot. Um, no. I don't have their schedule in front of me. I don't know who all they've played, you know, off the top of my head or anything. So I don't know if they've played a lot of teams that, you know, with, with, solid defensive lines that, that create a lot of, you know, pressure or anything, but uh, only giving up 17 sacks in nine games is, is you know, it, it tells you that their offensive line is playing pretty well. So uh, so that may be a challenge for the Browns, but um, hopefully they're up for it and hopefully they can right. put pressure on them, you know, throughout the game. But um, Well, they, they than, played the Chargers close. Um they mm-hmm. they beat up on the Jets before that. Um, they lost a, a high scoring game to the Cowboys. Um, you know, I think there there are some similarities um, to to how the Browns have played. You know, they they're they're a team yeah. that's you know supposed to be rebuilding right now. We're supposed to be a team with the best roster in the league. So, you know, right. on balance, we we should be the better team here. Right, and as I was talking about New England's defense, I could have very well been speaking about the Browns' defense as far as not being consistent. Right. And having shut down some teams and not other teams. So, so we'll, you know, we'll see. We'll see, um, um, you know, we'll we'll see which which units show up for which teams. Um, You you, you know, the the Pats pretty typically are, are, you would think, even with a rookie quarterback, are going to get to to a point in the season where they're playing fairly consistently under their coaching staff. Uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see about the Browns. Hopefully, <laughs> as you guys have said, hopefully we're to you know to the point that um, that we're not doing these these one eighties. 
back and forth with the Browns. Too many. Too many. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's what's left right now, really. I mean, everybody's proven what they can do. Now we have to see them do it consistently. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That is right. And um, yeah, I mean, the Browns have, uh, you know, at this this point in the schedule is kind of you know between that uh, that Bengals game where where even Kevin Stefanski said you know that the Browns essentially he said they had to get a win okay right. that they were playing for their lives and and uh, so so now they got this game which which feels like the the the, the next must win yeah well <laughs> they're all must wins right right like every week's a must win or somebody's got to be right. part right. Um, right. According to know, Brown's Twitter, that's what I've heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's who, who loses their job this week because the Browns lost? Okay. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but you know they get the nice win against the Bengals in a game that they really needed in order to you know to go above 500 and feel like the season's not lost. You know, at at pretty much the halfway point. Now they got this game, which kind of feels like it's, uh, you know, Kevin Stefanski kind of battling the old ball coach. And, you know, can he can he play chess with with Belichick uh, with two teams that um, statistically anyways look pretty even, um, even if the even if the talent doesn't look that way. And and can they get, put these two wins together to get to a Detroit game that's that um, that they should win? That should hopefully be uh, the one game on the schedule all season that should be a, that should be a win for sure, um, because after that, uh, you yeah. know, it, it's rough. It's rough after that. Ravens, Ravens, Raiders, Packers, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati. Yeah. There's there's no gimmies there. Uh, Browns might win some of those games big, but you're not going to walk in thinking, oh, this yeah, they got this one. No. Well, I don't think I've ever walked the, in thinking that. No. no. <laughs> the news is the way the AFC looks this year. Um, nine wins is probably going to get you a wild card spot. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah. we've got five. We need four more. Well, it would be good to uh, to have seven wins, you know, through uh, through the Detroit game, though. <laughs> only need right. a couple more, yeah. right? That, that would that would make it that much easier. Yeah, it would yeah. because, um, yeah, yeah. You just you just don't know. Um, um, I mean, the Browns have the Browns have had some battles with the Ravens. You know, those games will probably be close, mm-hmm. but the Ravens have you know I think have gotten the better of the Browns. Um, less well, actually they split last year, didn't they? Or did they? Did they lose both of them last year? Because well, last year they they lost the first game, and then the second game was that really high scoring game. But I can't even remember who won that game. We all I think we almost won, but ended up losing at the end, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah, that was the game where they gave up a bunch of points right before halftime. I think gave up like two or three touchdowns right before halftime mm-hmm. when the Browns were up. Um, so the Browns, the Browns have played tough against the Ravens. You know, we'll see what happens. You know, those games will really be battles. Um, right. Raiders, you don't know what you're getting. Um, Packers is kind of the same, and then, uh, then you got Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. You know, which realistically, you know, <laughs> you hope those are wins, but you can't, you can't count yeah. either one of those as wins. 
you're going to Pittsburgh, and then you got Cincinnati at home, who's going to be pretty mad about the way they played in that that first game. And you know, if they win more games, they might have something on the line there too. Right. So, um, I'm going. I'm going to bring up this uh, this uh, this penalty chart that I sent to you, Jeff. Yeah. And I know you don't want to talk about it <laughs> because I know I, I always sound like the guy who's complaining about penalties when I just don't think that penalties are administered in an even fashion in the league. And, and I, I know how it works. I know that I know that the good teams get more calls. I, I really don't understand why that is or why teams earn that because if if you if you uh if you have a penalty you know if you do something that's a penalty it it should be a penalty right okay but you know this this chart shows um which teams essentially um you know they do it by points per game which teams are hurt the most and which teams benefit the most by penalties. And, and of course, a lot of this, it, it is self-inflicted. So it, it's not like I'm crying that the Browns, oh, the Browns never, you know, everyone's against the Browns, okay? I know the Browns making a lot of mistakes and penalties that they need to fix. It's that extra crap, the bad calls, you know. Right. that or the no that, calls. Yeah, and the no calls, the stuff that always goes against the Browns or, or you know, that the a call that the Browns wouldn't get that somebody up at the top of this list would get that right. I don't understand. Mm-hmm. And and the Steelers are at the top of this list. And, you know, I, I don't know year to year if this list changes. I don't even know if anybody's ever done this list before. I don't know. But um, and, and there's really no order to this list otherwise other than the the browns being at the bottom and the steelers being at top i mean the 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 buck the buccaneers are second from the bottom you know you would think that brady would get all the calls right. he doesn't sure. um you know and falcons are second from the top which <laughs> which is a, a kind no of surprise. so there's really no rhyme or reason to it um it's just when you can put this much disparity in penalties, it just seems to me that there's kind of something a little bit wrong in the league. For sure. So I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on that, and then, then we'll move on to other stuff. Jeff, I know you don't like it, so go ahead. <laughs> there's, there's two parts to this. Um, the first part is you control what you can control, uh, and that is the self-inflicted stuff. And the Browns have not done a good job with that this year. They did, I thought, a, a really good good job with it last year. Um, this year, for whatever reason, um, there's been a lot of self-inflicted stuff. Um, the second part of that is, you know, the the earning the benefit of the doubt from the officials. Um, and you know, this exists in every sport. Um, you know, there are great hitters in baseball who, you know, get a bigger strike zone. Um, you know, there are basketball players who get the benefit of the doubt, um, regarding fouls. Um, I think in football, you know, there's, there's those calls that are judgment that 
you know, I don't know how an official can remember, you know, if he's thinking about whether to call a play, you know, who he's calling it on, who he isn't. Um, it, it seems like that's too much to think about. You know, if I'm officiating a game, I'm just going to call what I see. But yeah. it just seems to work out that way that, you know, if there is a judgment call, it tends to go for the players that have uh, the better reputation in the league, maybe uh, the teams that have uh, more longevity in their systems and so forth. I don't know who, who makes those arguments at times, you know, if it's the coach in the, in the, uh, the linesman's ear or, or what makes that happen. But there definitely are situations where um, teams like the Steelers, uh, teams like um, the Patriots who have these consistent staffs and, and, you know, track records um, just, seem to benefit from, from certain calls. Um, and then there's, you know, the, the third case of just, you know, guys just blatantly blowing calls you know? right. and then yeah. going to review and they still get it wrong, you know? So, yeah. I mean, uh, that happens. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, you know me well enough. I'm not going to complain about it. It's just part of the game and, you know, we have to control what we can control. And that is, you know, cut out the, 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 the mental mistakes um, you know, not knowing the snap count, um, you know, not paying attention to where we're supposed to be, those kinds of things. Um, and I think the rest of that stuff over the course of time will take care of itself with this franchise. But I think we're going to have to pay our dues for a little while. Shelly, what do you have? Oh, <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong. You're not wrong, Jeff. Everything you said is right. I, and I guess I'm just naive enough to say, but damn it, that's not right. <laughs> like, that's where I, am. I mean, and I know, th- I know that sounds naive and I'm not 12, I promise. But it, <laughs> when I look at these things like week after week and not even just the Browns, uh, if you guys watched Monday night football, you saw all that crap. And you know, let yeah. me let me bump into you and throw a flag on you because I can. He had his hand on that flag way before any of that happened. I, I don't know. I feel like. You're talking about the it, taunting? The taunting and then he walked the, the I can't yeah. remember the player's yeah. name now. But the then, official claims that it had nothing to do with the bump, that he was getting ready to throw the flag for the taunt, which yeah. was a questionable call anyway. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, staring yeah. at a, a, a off into space is very taunting. Right. I, Looking, I don't even, now we can't I look mean at other players. We can't call. look mean. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, but Watt can blow kisses at the Bears bench. Sure, that's fine. Love sure. all the way. Yeah, that's not but, taunting. Uh, it, it's no, that's who that you goes are. back. Yeah. That goes back to the idea of interpretation that changes from year to year. And it's, you know, all the things we, we talk about with catches and everything else. Yeah. Asking officials to interpret things differently from year to year. Um, you're just asking for those kinds of trouble. You really uh, are. Situations. You know, you're you're going to have difficulty. I, I don't think I don't think they should be interpreting too many things. Uh, especially subjective. I mean, okay, it's a hit. It's not a hit. It's a hold. It's not a hold. You can't, you know, get inside a player's head. Maybe, maybe Watt was blowing kisses to his friends in the stands, but you look at it and you go, what a (laughs) jackass. Um, I just wish there was some accountability, I guess is the word I'm looking for, because 
I mean, do either of you guys know, I've been trying to find out all week, do the refs answer to anyone beyond uh, the 32 owners in Goodell? Or how does that even work? I would love to know how that works because well, it seems I, like there I, I isn't any accountability. There's a league head of officiating, uh-huh. I believe. Um, and and I I know officials have been reprimanded for missed calls for for things you know mm-hmm. that don't measure up to NFL standard. I I know that's happened in the past. Okay. Um, I think as fans, you know, we we probably expect a lot more um, retribution against officials. For something that happened to I our mean, team. I don't want to burn you the know. guys. Right. Yeah, I just want to get it right. <laughs> right. I just want to yeah, call exactly. things evenly, you know, and get yeah. it right as often as I can. I, I, I don't expect them to be, to be perfect. I know. Right. No, I think I there's want a review call process. It the same way on both sides. I want yeah. consistency, yeah. is pretty much the it. The best official, officials generally get rewarded with postseason assignments. Right. Super Bowl yeah. assignments and so forth, you know. Yeah. So, you know, there there is sort of a, a rewards system for, for being good at your job and right. officiating. So, you know, I think these guys have an incentive to, to be bad. You know, <laughs> it just yeah. sort of happens right. that way a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I just struggle with, with seeing Miles held all the time. Every and stinking play. Every play, and they look they look the other way. And yeah, you know what? I think that is. I think this is this is a quarterback and an offense driven league. And if you throw a flag every time Miles Garrett gets held, um, eventually he's just going to terrorize the quarterback position. To the point that's what that, we want, <laughs> right? Right, but that's not what the NFL wants. <laughs> I know they want you know? their damn money. I know. Well, they don't. You know, they don't want quarterbacks. You know, laying on their back. They want quarterbacks throwing touchdowns. You know, so I think there may be a bit of a directive there that um, you know we don't let defensive ends just have a clear path to the quarterback. You know, we're gonna we're gonna give our 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 uh, tackles a little bit of leeway in terms of how they, they slow down the top uh, defensive ends and edges in the league. But are they doing that to other guys too? I mean, is Aaron Donald getting held and not getting calls as often as Miles is? That's something I would like to know. Um, yeah. Well, it might have something to do with, you know, the, the physicality of the player. Um, you know, oh, yeah. Miles, just, Miles just moves in ways that other guys can't. Right. And, you know, when it, when it comes to being able to block him, um, you know, you, you got to go pretty deep into your bag of tricks to figure out how to slow him down. But well, shouldn't that be the benefit of having a Miles Garrett? Is it someone yeah, who's, he, he, you know, he leads, I mean, <laughs> he leads the league in sacks, Shelly. So, I mean, oh, I know, but can you imagine? <laughs> well, imagine if he wasn't held all the time. Yeah, could you imagine <laughs> right, his right. sack count right now if, no, if he no, actually got half of those calls? He, no, that's true. It would be insane. Right. Uh, I don't know. I guess, well, obviously, I'm never going to be impartial when we're talking Miles Garrett. But just <laughs> across the board, if you can obtain a ridiculous talent at any position, they there shouldn't be any leeway given, oh, well, he is such a good player that uh, we'll just let you hold him. I, I don't, it just doesn't <laughs> work for me. 
It just doesn't. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. And if he's the only guy that's really being treated this way to this extreme, then, then it's it's just wrong. Okay. And I understand what you're saying, Jeff, but if other teams are allowed to hold him like this and it's not yeah. happening to some of the other top guys exactly. because they don't have the same bend and the same speed as Miles, then they should they should be calling holding and other teams should be taking penalties and marching yes. backwards and yes. they should be forced to have to double and triple miles on every play and see what happens to their offense that's the beauty of having him yeah. is is he's got to be double and tripled and then you have you know you'd send troy hill you send Clowney, you send whomever and uh yeah i i just i can't i don't know I spent too many years as a teacher. I, I like fair. I don't know. <laughs> I can't tell you why. It's just, it will I, never I'm, sit with me. I'm with me. you. I mean, it, I just have a feeling that, that guys like TJ Watts think they're held on every play, too. <laughs> yeah. Might. Yeah. Well, I don't know. That's why I would like to see somebody. Uh, yeah, I want to watch Arnold. Or, yeah. Or some, film. You know, somebody impartial kind of look at uh, a comparison with. Uh, you know, with, with Miles and Watt and, you know, just throw a right. few other guys in there. Um, be yeah. very interesting to look at. We need a so. deeper a deeper film study on that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, if it's happening around the league, then then I understand it, it's still wrong, but at least right. I can see where it's coming from. Right. So, okay. Enough uh, enough penalty talk. I, I know that was not fun <laughs> for you, Jeff. You feel better now? You sticking with us yeah yeah definitely so a little bit, a little bit. um so uh so the browns uh go to new england like they always do because it's the only place the, the pats will yep. play them um they yep. have to the cleveland apparently so uh so we always have to go up to new england and you know where they can pull out their bag of tricks if they have to or whatever so the last uh, time the patriots played here was um in 2016 and uh, the, the results were sort of similar to uh, the, the Cincinnati game, uh, but on the other side, the, the Patriots whipped us up pretty good, thirty-three to thirteen. Well, two thousand sixteen. That's that's that before was... the Renaissance. So yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just don't we don't play them that frequently. It's you know it's it's every three years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just seems like it's uh, like. Um, I knew they played them once here fairly recently, but before that, it seemed like all the meetings have been in New England. Um, maybe it is every other year, every other time here, but it just seems like it's hardly ever that they come here. So, mm-hmm. anyways, um, you know, kind of a big game. I kind of see it as a, I mean, they're all big, but I kind of see it as a big game for Stefanski. If he's, you know, yeah. if they're able to win this game, it's kind of, you know, kind of a notch in his belt that he's able to you know, go toe to toe with Belichick and stuff. Um, you know, the stuff about Belichick having coached here really is so long ago. I don't think it matters anymore. I don't think anybody yeah, really. They are the last cares. two coaches to take the Browns to playoff games. Oh, wow. like How about that? I don't know. I read something about that. <laughs> like, nice. okay. Sounds like a nice. Tony Romo fact. <laughs> yeah. yeah you know what? Like that's it. probably exactly where I heard it from. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens in this game. Uh, I guess the uh, I guess the over under is 
44 and a half and the Browns are getting two and a half in this game, Jeff. That's what I've seen. Yep. Okay. So you guys ready to give some, some prognostications on this one? Sure. <laughs> All right. Uh, Shelly, you want to go first? Uh, sure. I, even though their defense scares me and well, Belichick is Belichick. I, I'm I'm gonna go for our guys, uh, 21-17, and I I don't even know why, because <laughs> I'm actually really nervous about this one. Yeah, I understand, I understand, but uh, I like how with the Browns having more points, that's good. <laughs> 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 so uh, so Jeff, are you uh, are you sticking with the with the over this time or what? Just barely. Uh, 24-21 Browns. <laughs> okay, is this a is this a field goal at the at the buzzer? I think it's it's a it's a last second Chase McLaughlin field goal that wins this for us. All right. Cardiac kid style. Nice. Yep. Uh, I'm too old for that this time. <laughs> I think we all are. <laughs> not up for that. Well, it hasn't been in our DNA so far. So, I mean, you know, we, we have to we have to get all of these scenarios out of the way at some point this season. So, you know, winning on a last second field goal, we haven't done. So let's okay. let's make that yeah, this week. I mean, if That's it's true. a win, it's a win. Yeah, yeah, I'll take a win anyway. But, uh, you know, despite my despite what happened last week and me picking against the Browns and them winning, gosh, I, I'm almost tempted to just pick the opponent the rest of the year um, <laughs> but i just i just have a good feeling i think i think the browns offense is humming a little bit better you know and, and i know the defense helped them out i just really like what they did against cincinnati and i think yeah. I, I think that they'll carry some of that into this game and and um you know getting getting jok back and and stuff right. i think the defense is going to play pretty well so um, I've got the Browns winning twenty-seven to nineteen, just uh, just a random kind of score. <laughs> but well, I guess I'm, I'm going go over with too. the over as well. I am going over this time. I don't know why. I just feel like it might be uh, a little, you know, that we might see a few more points scored um, than what people are expecting. So that that's without knowing what the weather's going to be. Um, I was just going to ask. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the weather's going to be. 52 degrees at Gillette Stadium. 52? 52? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll stick with my score, 27-19. Uh, so we all picked the Browns, which, um, mm. yeah, similar scores. Not always a good sign, but um, <laughs> we love our Browns, and, and we're going to yeah. – we're going to pull for them all the way. So hopefully, hopefully we see a good game out of them. So, um, yes. All right, Shelly, do you have any closing thoughts for us? Uh, nothing really. Um, you know, I'm never going to get my officiating dream of, you know, fairness <laughs> and miles is never going to not get held. And, you know, but no, just, just, you know, go Browns, play hard, win, Bring home the W and a lobster roll. Yeah. <laughs> so, Jeff, any anything in closing? Team 180 becomes Team Streak this week. Yeah. 
two in a row. How nice would that be? Yep. Awesome. Yeah. So, uh, so you guys can follow Shelly at Shelly, S-H-E-L-L-E-Y 0514 on Twitter. Read her stuff at The Grueling Truth. This has been the Browns Blitz, and we will catch you next time.